Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look into some scriptures, and uh, then we're going to do our best to bring the thoughts that the Lord has put on our heart. So we're going to start in the book of Psalms. In the 17th chapter of the book of Psalms, and there's just one little verse I want to read, the 15th, it's the last verse of the book of, or rather the, the Psalm 17, 15. Here another Psalm, a prayer of David, a prayer of David. We've been working on him, well, I'll tell you what. Thank God for David. What a prophet. What a prophet. So David's saying this prayer. Hear me, O Lord, attend to my cry. and Goes down through this prayer and then ends it in this last little, this last little verse, 15. As for me, he says, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness or in thy likeness. I'll be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. Amazing again. The prophetic understanding that David comes with it just it just astounds me, amazes me. He sees ahead of his time, and he sees some things that just affect us. And so we've been looking at at, at some of those things, going back and forth, Old Testament, bringing it into the New, the prophetic words, mainly of David. Um, we don't, you know, he's not considered. We have the major prophets and the minor prophets, but we forgot David. I want to look in the, in the New Testament in the book of John, first, first John, rather, first John, in the third chapter, in the first two verses of the third chapter. Let me say while you're going there, I forgot, but let me say we always want to welcome our visitors and bless them. So glad that you're here. Amen. God bless you. And I uh, hope the Lord ministers to you. So. While you were finding First John, the third chapter, I want to read the first two verses. See what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we may be called the children of God. <clears throat> For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Now that reminds me of back in the 14th chapter of John, which I read last week that said, not word for word, but said they don't know the spirit of truth. The world does not know the spirit of truth, nor will the world know the spirit of truth, but you know the spirit of truth because he is with you. uses the word para, alongside of you. Jesus talking to his disciples in John 14. <clears throat> He is alongside of you. 
and he will be in you. So the world does not know us because it did not know him, <clears throat> beloved. <clears throat> now we are the children of God. And it was not yet revealed or is not re yet revealed. <clears throat> what we shall be. But we know that if he is revealed, manifested, made apparent, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Amen. Lord, we just ask you this morning, upon the reading of your word, something we've read a lot of times, something we have spoke on a lot of times. But Lord, I've got one heart this morning, and that is to lift you up. I've got one heart, Lord, and that is to preach on the one who is greater than us, head of the church, Lord of lords, king of kings. Lord, and so we want to do justice to speaking your word this morning. I pray for an anointing upon me and upon the ears of the hearers. Lord, that we will rightly divide the word of truth this morning, and it will be a blessing to all. Amen. How many want a blessing out of the, the word of God? Amen. 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 So again, let me, let me kind of run a little disclaimer. I will preach in the light that I have. I'll preach in the light that the Lord has given me. And so don't be offended. You might question what I say. It's okay if you question what I say. Get in the book and begin to study. Um, we were, this week, we were in a certain place, and um, a woman started talking to us about church. I don't know how we got on that subject, but when I came from, we were in an antique store. I came from the back room there, and, and Kay was talking to this woman. And um, the conversation kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys are... Okay, yeah, good, good. Come from California. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Yeah, no, well, what, what are you? What are you? What, what do you believe? What are your, you know, tenets of your faith? And I always like that because I don't know how to answer it. So let me get, dig in my pocket here. Here, I just want to give them a paper and let them read it. This is what we believe. This is da, 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 da. And, and, of course, the question is, you know, Concerning that is, do I ever want to visit your church? That, that really is what that's about. So <clears throat> the conversation went on a little bit. And we're saying, well, we, you know, we, I don't know. I didn't go for the labels too good. You know, we're, I was raised in, in, in strictness and holiness and Pentecost. And, and uh, man, I, I, I guess what you say, I've got a version of that now. I don't know. I don't believe everything I was taught as a child. But, but um Anyway, and she looked at me and said something that kind of, kind of shocked me. Um, I wasn't ready for it. She said, who's your mentor? And I was like, I'm going to I'm have to think about that for a minute. I think she mentioned, uh, is it Or Roberts or, or is, it, is it Kenneth Copeland? I said, no, 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 no. none of those. 
And I begin to think about this thing that God has done over, I've been preaching 28 years, and so many of you uh, have been with us that long. And 28 years ago, where I came from was not a setting of Christology at all. The people that I had set under did not preach the Christ message. And so, who was your mentor? And I just thought, and so the Lord reminded me of something that Paul said. Now, I'm not trying to equate myself with Paul. But Paul said to the Galatian church, he said, look, I didn't receive this from a man. And I didn't receive this from teaching. But I received revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I use everything that Paul, his revelation, you know, I I feel like I've understood some of his revelation, but. This morning, I'm not going to try and reveal to you something else other than Christ. That is my duty as a pastor, preacher, uh, feeding the flock of the Lord. I feel like that is my duty, and so I don't want to stray from that. There are other things that we can talk about that also are issues, things that we need to talk about. But, But I always try on a Sunday morning, I try and bring the thought of Christ central. And so if somebody doesn't like Christ Central, they don't want to come here. And so my answer to that woman, and I didn't tell her, but uh, she said, oh, yeah, we travel down to such and such church. And I thought, yeah, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're not going to want to come where we are because we're going to preach Christ. And we're going to receive Christ. Can everybody say amen? That's why you're here. There's hundreds and hundreds of churches all over the place that you can go to, but something is drawing you because the message of Christ, it's real, it's right, it is what we are about, it is what Christianity is about, and so we preach Christ, amen. The purpose of every rabbi, we recognize Jesus, Rabbi Yeshua Jesus, the purpose of every rabbi is to produce disciples that think like him and that act like him. He is their mentor. This is what Jesus did. Jesus created disciples that thought like him and acted like him. This is what he did. He didn't try and create a church that wasn't like him. We have a church now that's not like him. But that is not his creation. That's a creation of men and ideas and ideologies and theologies over a period of 2,000 years that we've arrived at a church that doesn't even look like him. But the point is, is that Jesus as rabbi raised up some apostles and those apostles were to carry on the very ministry that he had begun. It was to look like what he had already started. Everybody understand what I'm saying? He didn't get done, hand it off to them and say, now you just go and do and establish a church and do whatever it is you think you want to do. No, he already has it all in line and he is ministering in a certain way. He is acting in a certain way. He is thinking in a certain way. And he expects his disciples to also be like him, like the rabbi. Jesus gives this perfect 
uh, word illustration when he says this. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is sufficient. It's enough for him to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. I'm going to say this, and there's this foolishness going around, and I see it. I, I watch so-called Christian programs, Christian TV. It's evident to me that people think that they are going to become the master. They think they are going to become the teacher. We are not to become Christ. And so as much as I preach Christ, you are not to become Him. You are to become like Him. I think people have kind of mixed that up. Some of the, some of the great Pentecostal charismatic movement has mixed that up. So the quest of a disciple of Jesus Christ is to become like the teacher and like the Lord. The man, everybody say the man. The man, Christ Jesus, Yeshua Rabbi. Now, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know what you're thinking on this might be, but, but don't be offended in me. He's not expecting you to become the God, Jesus Christ. Or even like the God, Jesus Christ. He's expecting us to become like the man, Christ Jesus. Now, I hope you understand the difference. When he's here on the earth, he is in man. He is in flesh. He is tempted and tried and tested in every point as we are. He's an overcomer. He is the one that overcomes sin. He's the one that overcomes temptation and the power of flesh. He's not flesh-driven. He's not driven by appetite. He's not driven by his desires. And so for us, this is where we come in as men and women. We are not angels. We are not heavenly beings. We are earthly. Uh, last week I read that too. It said, first we are earthly before we ever worry about heavenly. We will be heavenly someday. But as long as you're here, he's not expecting you to be heavenly. He's expecting you to be earthly. And so what you're going to do as a Christian is be a follower of the example of the man, Christ Jesus. And so I know I'm brushing hard against Pentecostalism here, but I'm going to show you something here in a minute. The charismatic move has gone beyond the standard of being Christ-like. And all around us, I don't care if you live in California or you live here or you live in Mexico, it's everywhere around us, have moved on to what they call a Holy Ghost move, Holy Ghost anointing, in which one is controlled by hype, and emotion, and foolish actions. Did you get that thing for me, Ronnie? He's going he's gonna to get something here. Because I want to show you an example of what happens when we leave Christ and we go on to a so-called Holy Ghost 
move. Now, I'm not speaking against the Spirit of God, nor neither will I. Let me say something right here real quick. We've been fed this idea that you can't question anything that people call the Holy Ghost. We've been fed that idea. Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees said, He has the spirit of Beelzebub. Jesus' retort to that is, You can say something about the Son of Man. You can say something about the man. You may not understand the man. And some of those who were saying that later on went on to accept him. And they could be forgiven that. But if you say the man has the spirit of Beelzebub, there is no forgiveness for you. And so people have taken that and said, hey, anything that people call spirit, you can't touch it, you can't, don't hamper, don't, don't, don't quench God's spirit. I'm out to quench some things that have nothing to do with the Lord, but yet the church is propping them up as something supernatural that, that is fantastic, this thing that God has designed for the church. And so I'm going to show you something. And the closest I can come to this is maybe this is a reenaction of the pool of Bethesda. Fire away. There we go, right in the pool. Okay, just stop that right This is not a move of the Spirit of God. It just isn't. I watched that thing, and not one time was the Lord mentioned. Not one time was He glorified. Emotion, hype, which leads to foolishness and foolish actions. I can't believe, and I'm going to teach you this morning that the Lord does not expect us to act in any way that He did not set the example for in His own life. So, well, Pastor, you know, we live in a kind of, we feel like we sort of live, Pentecostal live in a higher plane than what the Lord lived. And I want to dispel that. I believe in emotion. We lift our hand, tears come out of our eyes. But if we depend on emotion and a hype to connect us with God, this is the kind of stuff we'll be doing. There is no praise and no glory and no honor. The crazier you are, the more blessed you are, the more spirit of God there is. In fact, I believe the opposite of that. And so listen. Did his death and burial and resurrection and ascension and his return produce the spiritual high-wire circus acts for us to do? Did Jesus do anything like that? The problem is with us that let me say Pentecostals, is that we have believed, we bought into the idea that the Christ life is not enough. That living for Jesus Christ every day and being a disciple of His, becoming like Him as He was, so shall we be in the earth as He was, as the man Christ Jesus. That's not enough for the Pentecostals. we got to take it way, way beyond that into the place 
where we don't want to just become like the Lord. We want to excel beyond Him. Stop trying to excel beyond the Christ life. There's nowhere to go. He's not in it. He's not blessing it. He's not moving that way. Then, on the other hand, which I saw the other day, there are preachers who constantly are claiming they want to be like Christ because they want the power and the authority that Christ demonstrated. And so this is how we should be like Christ. After all, we are the children of God, so what He has is ours. And so we claim all the power that He has, all the, the anointing that He has. I want to tell you this, is that there's some people that's tried it. We heard some, some, some guys up in, in the, the, the college up there, the Bible college, that tried it. It hasn't worked. He has not anointed you to walk on water. He has not anointed you to change water into wine. You're looking to try and be like God instead of like the man. Somebody say amen right there. Said, that's, that's really weird doctrine, you know, because as I'll tell you what, you know, we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. I'm glad we said that. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. As he was in this earth, so are we. And so this, the people that, that are looking for the power and authority, and I have to thank Pastor Ronnie for this. I'm, I'm going to keep using this because it's so beautiful. They're swinging a borrowed axe with a brittle handle. In fact, the head has already come off and is way out in the water somewhere, and they're still trying to chop down trees with the handle. It's because God is not doling out His authority for you to use as you wish. Just isn't happening in the kingdom of God. I've seen it and I've been around it. You know, I guess you have a little inside when you're a preacher and, and are around some preachers. And the same preachers who feel like that they have some kind of a special anointing really don't even know how to live for the Lord their self very good. Looking for some kind of handle of special anointing in their life. And, but let me say this about the, the power that is to come to us in the book of Acts in the first chapter and the promise of the second coming. Remember, the second coming is not the rapture. The second coming was He is alongside of you and will be in you. The second coming of the Lord is coming by His Spirit. And He says this Himself about Himself. You will receive dunamis. You will receive ability that you don't have upon the coming of the Holy Spirit upon you, and you will be witnesses of me. I want to tell you this, is that God is not anointing you to do something besides be a witness of Him. He has nothing else for you to do besides being a witness of Him. No power, no authority, no greatness that doesn't come down to being a witness of Him. And so what happens on the day of Pentecost when the Lord does a return trip. So I'm not leaving you here orphans. I'm coming back to you. And he comes in his spirit and he breathes in the breath of life into them. And, and he causes them to speak the languages of the men that are in Jerusalem so that they go out into their nations and speak this gospel. I believe what was being said in foreign tongues to them 
was absolutely the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take it to the nation. It was the gospel of the Lord. It wasn't a bunch of drunken people laying down, rolling around, acting like they're drunk. Absolutely not. That would be a mockery to the power of the witness of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you drunk. He wants you sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, he's around seeing who he may devour. But the gospel of Jesus Christ has got to be represented by people who are sober and vigilant for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So the first order of events is provided for by the second order of events. Jesus, his ministry, his training, his teaching has apostles and disciples is then empowered by the second event and that is the infilling indwelling of his spirit in the earth can you go over with me I don't have it marked but I would like you to go with me to the book of Ephesians and I would like to know how this got dropped out of the church fourth chapter and I just want to read down just a few verses 10th verse he that came down is the same also who went up above all the heavens that he might fill all things and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists some pastors and some teachers with a view of equipping the saints perfecting the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we may all come into the unity, or oneness is really the word there, of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a full-grown man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we may no longer be infants having been blown and carried around to and fro with every wind of doctrine. There's a complete description right there of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Not what we saw on the screen a minute ago. That, that, that isn't it. It's for the equipping of the saints that we all may come. Everybody say all. From small to large, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, on your children and on your elders, on your seed, your children and your children's children, till we all may come to where? To a place where we're shouting and screaming and running all over the, the, the church and busting up things. No, that isn't it. Where, where that we may come to the conformity of the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the stature of who He is as a man till we conform these men that we are to what Christ was. This is why He gave pastors and teachers and prophets, evangelists and apostles. That's the sole reason. It wasn't to get people in a hype and a frenzy to get you shouting and screaming. It was so that Christ may be formed in you. Somebody say amen. That Christ may be formed in you. You cannot become like him. 
You're not even one of his if his spirit does not dwell inside of you. His Holy Spirit alongside them and then in them. The Spirit of Truth, the Holy One. Let me say this. You will know the Spirit of Truth because the Spirit of Truth will bring Christ full in your life. You won't know the Spirit of Truth by the power that you get to go out and do great and mighty works. But you'll know the Spirit of Truth because He leads you. Jesus says, He, speaking in third person, the Lord does this often. If you understand the way the Lord spoke, He spoke in three different dimensions in His ministry. He spoke as the Son of Man. He spoke as the Son of God. And He spoke as the I Am Almighty God. He spoke of Himself in third person oftentimes when He said, And the Son of Man. Who's He talking about? Himself. And so take that literally right here when He says, He, the Spirit of Truth, speaking again third person, He will come and He will take of mine and give it to you. The take of what? The man Christ Jesus. I think simply this verse just simply means that he will teach you how to be like Christ Jesus. The essence of what God begins to do in your life. Metamorphosis rather takes place in our life. It begins in our life The moment His Spirit breathes His breath of life into our spirit, this metamorphosis takes place in our mortal bodies. He's not just beside us. He's not just with us any longer. But He is inside our body. I don't know how you might feel about this, but... But it's very clear in Scripture that the born-again experience is not about saying a prayer. It's not about shaking a preacher's hand. It's about a birthing by the Spirit inside of you. And I don't know that, and I can't tell that, but you can. And somebody said, how many did you have saved last year? And my answer is always, I don't know. Because the Spirit of God has to revive and restore and renew and just bring to birth your dead spirit, which is laying in your body down deep inside of you where God is going to deal and He's going to bring you to life. And at that moment, a metamorphosis begins to take place. What you were now begins to be different to what you are going to be. And how is that done? By His Spirit. And so the Lord puts it this way. If any man be in Christ... He's a new creation. Old things begin to pass away. And all things begin to become new. How is that done? Well, I read the Bible and so the Bible said this and that and so I'm just going to do it. No, you need more than that. 
Jehovah Witness work with the Bible. Mormons work with the Bible. Catholics work with the Bible. All kinds of people work with the Bible. But the Spirit brings it to life in you. And what spirit is? That's His Spirit that's dwelling in you. It's His Spirit that begins to make a change in your life. If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, then old things begin to pass away. Now, I'm not too nervous. I don't think that immediately everything is going to be right in your life. At the initial birthing, born-again experience, I believe that God is going to cause things. You're going to see things. You're going to feel things that need to depart from your life. Can you say amen? We've all been saved, most of us, a long time, and God is still working on us. Thank the Lord He is still working on us. We're men. We're women. We're not angels. We're not heavenly beings. We're fleshly beings. So God is still working on us by His power. Old things are passing away. And then, behold, something you can see, something that's evident. All things are beginning to become new in your life. Can you say amen? Replacing the old things, replacing the sin, replacing the trouble, replacing the foul attitudes, the bad habits, those things begin to pass away and all things are becoming new in your life and all things are of God. A testimony of Jesus Christ begins to develop in your character. Where you had no testimony, you may have been in church a long time before you ever got saved. Before you ever became born again, you might have been a member of a church. You might have been uh, part of an organization for years and years and years and and really just never uh, let God do what needed to be done in your life. And then finally, finally, the old man gives up and, and God begins to do something in your life and you become a testimony. It begins to develop in the character of your life. Friends and relatives begin to see something different about you. If the testimony of Christ is not in your life, you don't know Him. If friends and loved ones who knew you as a sinner don't see you any different than what you were, you don't have a testimony. And it's not something you put on. I mean, we're real good in the holiness movement to do that. I'll put this on and don't do that and then people will know. No, no, it's the Christ character that needs to come out in you. It's the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, who walked on this earth and lived on this earth, and he became the glorious example of a great overcomer by the power of the Lord. So that begins to happen in our life, and then people begin to realize, you didn't go down to AA and get this. You didn't get this from the psychologist downtown, but something's happened in your life. You've been with Jesus. Something has changed. A change has come over you. And then finally, I believe this, that a conscious awareness of His making and molding your life into His image will be evident inside of you. If you never feel the unction of the Spirit, if you don't feel wrong about your wrong ways, if you never feel a conviction in your spirit, then you need to check something this morning. There needs to be an awareness in you. And, and I know people have blamed a lot of things on the Spirit of God and, and, and a lot of the restrictions they put on their life and all those. I understand all of that. But there is a true godly awareness and conviction that's in our life that we walk according not 
to the desire of the flesh anymore, but the Spirit of God begins to lead us and guide us, and, and there becomes questionable places in our life. And we need to know that we're being changed from the creature that we were to the new creation in Jesus Christ, and it's constantly happening in our life. You should be aware of that going on inside of you. Paul said there's a battle going on. It's between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of man. Oh, he finally puts it this way, O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? This fight that goes on between the spirit of the flesh and, and the spirit of God. You need to be aware of it. Who shall deliver me? And then he gives the answer in the next just next phrase, it says, I give thanks to God because of Jesus Christ, the Lord of us. He is the one who brings victory. I mean, we can quote it. I am victorious in Jesus Christ and in all things I'm victorious. And we can put it, you know, the athletes put it on their, on their face. They wear those little things with scriptures on them and they're going to be victorious. But really, God's not into sports. He's into living like he lived in the earth. And that is where he makes us victorious in Christ Jesus. Can the church say amen? All right, I'm going to go on even if it's by myself. Then the scripture becomes real to us. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Not church in us. The hope of glory. Not the denominational movement I'm in, in us, hope of glory. Christ, in us. Because you don't have any hope of overcoming if he's not in you. The hope is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Not rhetoric, not church stuff. Christ in me, the hope of glory. If something happened and, and, and uh, an atomic bomb was set off and blew this church to pieces and we couldn't meet, I would hope that you would go out of this place and that if you were never able to reunite, that you would realize that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Not echoes of Calvary in me, not pastors in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I cannot and will not make it without Him. It's impossible to live this Christian life unless I'm conformed to the image of the man. And so we believe Christ is in us. The hope of glory. By His Spirit, He's molding and making. I like the Scripture said that He who has begun a good work in you so now I'm going to wake everybody up. And so you have to confess. You have to do this. How many of you, he has begun a good work in you? Amen. It's not a work I began. Because if I began it, it's of me. But if it's a work that he began, he will continue to do it. And so this transformation 
this old wretched man that I am, Paul says, this transformation that has to take place in me. And I'm talking about the Christian life. I'm not talking about living like a devil. I'm talking about the Christian life, the transformation that I need so that I become Christ-like has got to come from the one who started it in me. And now Rodney plays me last night. He plays me this, this little clip of this guy preaching. I always knew they felt this way. I just never heard them admit it. This guy is, I mean, a total charismatic. I don't know what kind of church it is, but they are shouting and screaming. He began to demean the Lord. We don't need the Jesus preaching anymore. We need the Spirit preaching. And I'm, uh uh-oh. And then he went on to say things that I hope God forgives him. You don't say that Jesus had a foul spirit. There's no forgiveness of that. Can you say amen? You don't say he had another spirit other than God. For the fullness of the godness dwelled in him bodily. You go anywhere else, I'm ready to punch you in the nose. Man, I would play a little bit of that, but it, it is so bothering. It really bothered me last night. I just... I just begin to think about it, meditate about that. How can you call yourself? He said this, is that you can be a Christian and sin, but you can't be a spirit-filled person and sin. So what kind of a devil are you? There's only one Christian. There's not two dimensions. Well, you can serve Jesus, he said, and you can get away with a lot of stuff, but you can't serve the Holy Spirit. And I said, you, you've got a God that's separate. I don't know where you're at, but I'm not going that direction. I'm going with the Spirit that raised Him from the dead that was in Him dwells in us. And if His Spirit dwells in us, He will quicken our mortal body. So the one that began the good work so who was it that began the good work see we want to talk about the Lord in salvation but go on from there no he that began a good work what is the first good work in your life salvation and he that begun that our Lord Jesus Christ he is the one that will continue it in your life hallelujah hallelujah let's talk about David a little bit and then we'll We'll wind down the prophet, psalmist, seer, man that was after the heart of God, David. David is, doesn't have the privilege of a new covenant like you and I. He doesn't have a privilege of this infilling of the Spirit of God. In fact, he says, When he sinned, he said, take not thy spirit from me. Because God's spirit was around him. God's spirit was by him. Walking alongside. But was not in him. He couldn't understand that part of it. He lived in an old dimension under an old law. 
But he expected better things to come. And this is the, the, the prophetic part of this. He expects something's going to happen. He doesn't know when. He doesn't know how. You know, we all have a Bible. We have the record. We have all the events of Christ. His death, burial, resurrection. We know about all that. David doesn't know that, but yet somehow in his heart, prophetically, he understands that something better is coming. And he can't even hear the words of our Lord like we get. We are privileged to read the words of the Lord. He doesn't, he doesn't have that. He doesn't understand the spirit of truth which abides alongside you, which is the flesh of God, will be in you, which is the spirit of God. He doesn't know that. But something tells him in his heart that one day he will be changed and be like him. See, that's where it goes. The dimension on earth is that we're like him as a man. The dimension in heaven is that we're like him as he is now. He's not bearing flesh and blood in the earth any longer. But by his spirit. And Paul says later on, he says, he says, we will all be changed this mortal will put on immortality and I understand that there's something beyond just this veil of flesh that we will be like him and Job had a similar prophetic word come upon listen to to Job this is just so amazing Job didn't have a preacher he didn't have a church he didn't have a bible Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. Well, guess what, Job? They were. That they were graven with an iron pen and, and lead in a rock forever. Listen to what he says. This is, this is his words that he wants written down. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. So I'm coupling the not another with my Redeemer. I'm not going to see somebody besides my Redeemer. I know my Redeemer lives, and I know He's going to set down His feet upon this earth. I Wow, by the spirit of prophecy, he understands that God's coming to redeem the people. And he doesn't even know. He's just making a proclamation that the spirit of the Lord that's in him prophetically is pronouncing something that will happen way past his time beyond him. He will never see it, but yet he knows that in his spirit, there's something about this meeting with this Lord God himself that he's going to be like him. He's going to see him with his own eyes. He will behold him. I will have to say this, that Abraham and, and David and Job and scores of others waited in a holding place called paradise, Abraham's bosom, a dimension of Sheol. 
They're not in the dimension of the damned. They're in the dimension of the blessed. Those who laid down their head in rest knowing that there was something better to come. Even though they didn't understand the fullness of it, yet they knew that the Redeemer was coming. David said, somehow I know that one day I will wake up and I will be like him. Job says, I will see him. And if we see him, saints, we will become like him. And so Jesus comes into that place of paradise. He is dead now off the cross. He walks not into Sheol, the place of the damned, but he walks into Sheol, the place of paradise, Abraham's bosom. And they begin to honor him and cheer him. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. And when he comes in, I'm telling you, David, David, this is what he was looking for. Abraham, this is what, this is the one he was looking for. This is the one Job, ancient Job, who knew no better than to just expect that his eyes would see the Lord. And David says, I can become like him. I can become How great is our opportunity that we can become like our Redeemer, the man Christ Jesus. Now I want to go to John just, and really, really I am closing here. If he is revealed. If the conditional clause This will not happen accidentally, unintentional, or inadvertently if he is revealed. And the if there takes us away from rapture because we know there is no if in the coming of the Lord, the third coming of the Lord. We know there's no if there. It's going to happen. How many believe it's going to happen? I mean, trump shall sound, the dead in Christ will rise. We that remain shall be changed in a moment, twinkling in an eye. We shall ever be with the Lord in the air. I believe those words. But that has nothing to do with this. This is if he is revealed, if he is made apparent. If he is manifested to the people. And why would God put an if there? Because it's always about those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. You may have come to the Lord and you had a hunger and a thirst after righteousness and you came to him. And then over a period of time it began to wane. And uh, maybe it just kind of, there's a lot of people who just walk away. They just walk away. Because they don't desire him anymore. They want to be like him. Want salvation, but don't want to be like him. You might as well quit the club right now. You're not here to get saved. You're here to be like him. A part of that is salvation. But that desire, that desire to... Be like him to see him made apparent to us, manifested to us. 
And because it doesn't happen accidentally and unintentional and inadvertently, therefore, let me bring a scripture. I don't know if you've seen it this way before, but Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors into the harvest. How many remembers that? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors into his field. Well, what is his field? It's the kingdom. The wheat. Remember, terrors, terrors are spread there. The enemy put some terrors there. But the wheat field is his. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send ministers into the harvest that will teach them the revelation of Jesus Christ. The ministers of this country are full of foolishness. Many of them full of wickedness. And on every turn, they're looking for money, they're looking for advantage, they're looking for, for a, a higher elevation for their self, more things. That is not the job of ministry. Somebody say amen right there. Pray the Lord of the harvest that He'll send ministers out into the field because we lack a knowledge of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I don't care who you are or how long you've been saved. When you come to a place of the lack of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're going back. I've seen it happen and happen and happen and happen and happen. If our quest, let me, let me end where we started. If our quest is not to become like our Lord, we'll end up going back. Oh, yes. Pray, God. Would you pray with us? Pray, God, send an anointed man with a prophetic word. Not foretelling, but forth-telling in their mouths may be the revelation of Jesus Christ so that the church may once again Become like Him. Not the foolishness we've seen on the board. Not the technicalities of fundamentalism. Not the religious efforts of all so many, so many different abstract denominations and peoples. We've got one main course, and that is to become like Him. Can you say amen? God help us. And so, how many of you are, are, are mega people? Uh, and I know that every time Biden says, I hate those mega people, I say, well, you hate me. How many of you are make, make America great again? Right? Um, now, we're going to do a real quick show of hand. Nobody look around because we'll know who the Democrats are. How many mega people do we have here? Well, I'm going to add another G in this thing. Mega, MAGA. I'm going to add another G in there. I'm going to make it M-A-G-G-A. -G -G -A. Make American gospel great again. Mm -hmm. Make the gospel great again. Make Jesus Christ Lord of the church again. Make him the head of all things as he is. We know he is. Make him the head again. 
He's not the tail. He's the head. He's not the follower. He's the leader. He's the great and mighty, awesome, wonderful Lord God Savior. Oh, if I can just, if I can just become just a little bit like him. Thank you, Lord. I pray that it fell on ears, hearts that would receive this morning, Lord. May your seed, the seed of the Word of God, the seed of, of the Word, fall into hearts that's, that's ready to take it, ready to receive it. Lord, may it begin to grow and germinate and then grow and blossom in our life. Jesus, help us, everyone, to focus again to become like you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Everyone said amen. God bless you so 